Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of How Did This Get Booked? I, of course, am your host, Jake Manning, and I am a veteran of the professional wrestling business for over a decade, and I have held every single job except selling popcorn in professional wrestling. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my tag team <laughs> partner, my co-host, Corhote? Corhote? What's a Corhote? Cor- I mess this up every time. I don't know why. I Maybe we should it. just switch that one from you. Like, just X that out of your vocabulary. Yeah, like, I, well, I'm trying to expand my voca- vocabulary. Well, you're fucking failing. I'm doing an awful job of it. That's why, <laughs> that's why I should have just done what I did the last episode. Just jump right into it. Hey, say, here's Zane. Here's Zane. Zane, how are you doing? Zane, good. How's Jake? <laughs> Not bad. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, with that uh, highly intelligent introduction right there, let us now introduce our non-wrestling fan. It is a comedian uh, from Orlando, Florida, Mark Viola. Mark, uh, very much happy to have you here today on the podcast. Glad to be here, JR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, obviously you can tell right there. Uh, Mark has actually a little bit of background in professional wrestling. You had a short uh, time frame where you were a big super fan of professional wrestling. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I wouldn't call it a short time frame. I mean, it was it was a good uh, it was a good eleven twelve year period where I did not miss. And this is before DVR or something. So when you say I did not miss a week of Raw or a week of Nitro or something like that, that meant you didn't have things to do that night. You made sure you were in front of a TV. I remember watching um, uh, uh, WrestleManias and stuff on the pay-per-view back when uh, you didn't get pay-per-view, but you got the squiggly line thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like half looking at it, and I'm like, oh my God, is that is that a boob? Is that No, that's gold dust package. All right, that's a little weird. Still uh, a boob. Still a boob. <laughs> still, 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 yeah, still, it was still Dustin Rhodes' boob. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's for sure that. He's uniboobed. Yeah. Uh, right there. But uh, but yeah, like that was one of the things when we were discussing about doing this project. You're like, well, I was a super fan between the, this era, and I think you said you stopped around 2004. Yeah, it? like, uh, well, yeah, like like 2003, 2004. Um, uh, I mean, it it began the the decline began when uh, WCW went under. Oh, so uh, we know those guys. Yeah. It's like yeah. as soon as WCW closes, yeah. I'm done with. Well, no, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I always preferred WWF to WCW oh. without question. Yes. WCW was always lower rung on everything for me. But right around that time when there was just that huge influx of uh, of WCW wrestlers into WWF, and also at that time uh, ECW had lost uh, some of its broadcast contracts and stuff like that. TNA hadn't really started up yet. It was just one of those things where um, you just lost interest. In I, I lost interest. They 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 tried to do too much with too much and produce too little, um, and it just it, it didn't really it, it, it didn't keep my uh, my interest any longer. So. See, it was it was a matter of like how old were you at this time? Ooh man! Well, what year was that? that was two thousand three, two thousand two thousand three, two thousand four? Yeah, so I was I was a I was a senior in high school. Okay, so, so was, yeah, uh, you were, it was while you were a kid. So yeah. It's like I still like qualify that if you like watch it while you're a kid and then you, you drift it off in your in your adult life, uh, it seems to be the thing. And the thing is, like you're the demographic that Jeff Jarrett and Dutch Mantel mythically talked about when they started TNA is that when WCW was bought by WWE, you know those millions of people that were watching WCW, it's not like all of a sudden they had an extra million viewers watching mm-hmm. WWE. They just 
trailed off like yourself like you were the guy that jeff jarrett's been trying to find but i found you today for my podcast jokes on you and and yeah so screw screw you double j so i i found you for this and that and that's part of the reason why you have a very unique uh, situation of of topics that we're discussing today we are discussing um the, the classic and maybe a uh, forgotten classic. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, professional Wrestling Secrets, or The Secrets of Professional Wrestling, which was a, a VHS tape that was re- released in 1987, I believe. It's been marked also as 1988, but definitely about that time. And, of course, the, the classic that was aired on, WC, on uh, NBC, which was exposed, The Greatest Secrets of Professional Wrestling. Um, I actually remember watching that on broadcast television. So we've got so you as a fan, uh, we're exposing the business to you right off the bat. Were you, <laughs> were you already wrestling when you saw? No, I was not. Okay, but it's funny as I'm watching it now after I've been doing it for ten years. There's spots in there uh-huh. that are, that I, I do. Like yeah. that whole little hope spot of sunset flip, yeah. kick out, uh, clothesline. Clothesline. Yeah. I was like, oh, I maybe I subconsciously stole this from from here. From, from here. So. There were many times in it where I was like, fuck you, that's not right. Well, I think we're going to be doing that a lot through <laughs> each of these. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, because and also too, like you being a fan for for so long, and imagine as you kind of trailed off, you you had other interests in life, and like, ah, oh, do I really want to watch this anymore? But did you always see it as like, were you one of those kids defended the validity of professional wrestling? I did. I fought with people about this. Fucking Mark. Like, so, gotcha. I, I grew up. I grew up in Central Florida, which you know, Orlando area. Like, a lot of which, stupid people that believed it was real. Is that where you're going? Still, a lot of stupid people believe it's real out there now. Yeah, uh, there and everywhere, and especially yeah. there. I mean, um, uh, over the over the years, Orlando has Florida's always been a stronghold of professional wrestling. Um, uh, you know, the Florida circuit down there, uh, 20, 30 years ago was, you know, it's fed in a lot of, uh, a lot of stars that would be recognizable today to the modern fan. But now with, uh, uh, with WWE headquartering, a lot of their training facilities and everything down there, NXT's, uh, stuff down there and everything, uh, it's unquestionably a place where this happens. And people, friends of mine who were big wrestling fans now would be surprised, shocked, I tell you, shocked to realize that when I was in middle school, so we're talking like... 1995-1996 I went out and as hard as it was I found places that were selling wrestling t-shirts mm-hmm. like <laughs> WWF shirts uh uh stone cold shirt like you know stuff like that and I was wearing them to middle school yeah you were and I was having things thrown at me just and being not called pussy. a nerd <laughs> no not any pussy at all that was not thrown i mean that, that retreated actually uh, it was taken from you yeah. yeah but the same the same stereotypical middle school kid who um you know who clearly just be like the world's biggest wrestling fan mm-hmm. of the last 15 years like that stereotypical kid those were the guys who were giving me the most shit those were the guys who were like shooting spitballs at me in class to turn around and be like it's fake nerd and I'm just like, it's super cool. You're Suck wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like uh, that was that was a big thing, and I, I remember very specifically fighting with my mom's boyfriend over over the validity because I'd sit there and watch it. We only had one TV, you know, and so Monday night I'm sitting there watching it, and he's just sitting there going, "Oh, watching, you know, this is all, it's all fake, it's all stupid." I'm like, "It's not fake, it's not stupid." Fuck you, Dan. He's like, "They're not, they're not real." I'm like, "You're not my real dad." And then, <laughs> <laughs> this is real as pro wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, but legit, and and even at that age, um, and and yeah, this I'd say this argument happened between the two the two videos we're discussing today mm-hmm. after the one came out and before um, before Exposed came out. So this is like 1997, 1996. I still remember saying like, even if what's happening isn't quote unquote real, mm-hmm. like they're not really beating the crap out of each other. You know, it's like. They're really hitting each other. Like, that stuff is, like, it's not, like, stunts in a movie. It's not, you know, when that guy hit that other guy with the chair, the chair bent because he really hit him with the chair. Mm -hmm. Now, as we all know, especially today, and I'm sure we'll get into more talks about this, there are ways of doing it so that you don't, you know, murder another human being. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that there's, that, you know, stuff isn't really happening. When a guy comes off the top turnbuckle, lands back first on the mat... He's really doing that. Mm-hmm. That's actually happening. It's not CGI. It's in the noumenal world. Like it, you can, it's, it's happening. It's mm-hmm. physical. Um, which he used is, a big word there, and he nailed it too. Yeah, yeah. He should have did the intro. Take a fucking note or two, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> the word you were looking for was cohort, by the way. Whoa! Thank you. Oh, I thought concourse. <laughs> but yeah, I, and, and I feel like the tone of, of each one of these videos is a little bit different. So let, let's jump right into the let's discussion. Uh, but before we get into the discussion of the secrets of professional wrestling, I feel like I should read a disclaimer, much like at the beginning of this video, which read uh, the following program is presented for entertainment purpose purposes only. The creators, producers, participants, and distributors of this program disclaim any liability or loss in connection with the show's content. Basically meaning, if we kill the business, not our fault. Yep. Uh, I think that was legalese for that. It's super not my it. fault. I have nothing to do with it. Yeah. So. <laughs> but... Uh, and they starts like this big long montage that was very similar to the beginning of Star Wars, <laughs> the scrolling script, and a in ton a of smoke. It was similar to Star Wars so in a lot much of ways. Smoke. What was on fire? Yeah, exactly. Like what? What? What was the artistic uh, thing going on here that we need to have smoke coming out of a gym bag? Out of what was on fire? Their moves. They're, they're <laughs> they were lit. Listen, those are the big high spots in, in 1987. So those are all the moves in pro wrestling they exposed. Halfway like through the beginning, I thought we were watching like some low-key porn. It does start off that way. Especially when they pull up to the, to the with, place with and they the hand the guy girl. the yeah. yeah. First of all, why was the girlfriend wearing a mask? Yeah. That's, that's the first thing I need to know. <laughs> And then uh, jacked Uncle Rico taking the money to let them in the building. Yes. Yeah, that was that was like the shadiest yeah. 1970s drug deal ever. A payoff at an arena. And very <laughs> progressive for them to have the woman pay to get yeah. into the building. Like very Good progressive, you know. She wrote out 400 big ones. But very typical of, of pro wrestlers, you know, having the girlfriend pay for everything. Yeah. Very yeah. very stereotypical. I'm per- Is this Ricky and Robert? Are they on this side? <laughs> Getting the rats pay for yeah. the building. <laughs> hey baby, pay this man the money so we get here and wrestle. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I completely get why, especially at the time, those guys needed to wear masks, didn't want to give away who they were. And I'm sure no one in the industry could possibly identify them from seeing a good portion of their faces, no. their bodies, and how they did their moves. But I'm still wondering why the girlfriend needed a mask. <laughs> she never comes back into play. <laughs> yeah, because cause the other video, the, the, that girl isn't wearing a mask, but this girl's wearing a mask. But then at the same time, the guy who has the building... All he has is shades on. Yeah. So if he's theoretically the guy who owns the building, wouldn't he? Like, I think he's a security guard. Oh, he's a security of the building guard. of the arena. But, but see, that's the thing is this like arena at this time, pro wrestling rings are not as relevant. <laughs> so you'd think that somebody could watch that and kind of deduce 
whose ring that is and mm-hmm. where this location is. And also, too, there's not as many pro wrestlers. So you think that people are able to kind of do, oh, that's so-and-so. And I don't know if the identities of these wrestlers in this thing were ever identified ever. I was going to ask yeah, if we knew they were. anyone. I, they were. Who? They were. I, look, I, I looked them up online. Who are they? I didn't write it down. I just looked them Why up. Why didn't you write it down? <laughs> <laughs> I will look now. Yeah, no, Google it. Because there, there's um, I, I there, there are a couple of sites. It, it's not like on an IMDb or anything. There are a couple of sites that just kind of go, um, hey, who is the person in this? And then there's some back and forth discussion. Somebody was like, uh, "This w- these were the two wrestlers from Secrets of Pro Wrestling. These were the guys from Exposed. So, uh, okay. It's Billy Spicoli. I got the Exposed ones for sure. And we'll discuss those when we get mm-hmm. there. But like the, you know, the Secrets ones I couldn't really figure out. But I was kind of narrowed down geographically. That I thought oh. this was in the Northeast. When you start to type it, it's one of the autofill options. Okay. Well, good. They, obviously, my Google searches. Normally, oh, I'm... Oh, shit. This is who they are. I don't think I'm looking at the wrong thing. So it's like Harley Race. No, no that's the exposed one. Okay. That's the, yeah, no, that, look that, up uh, The Secrets of Pro Wrestling Secrets 87, of... and it'll have it. But uh, can we just, listen, I know we, we got a lot to cover and everything, but can we just take one moment right here while we're still discussing the beginning of Secrets of Pro Wrestling to talk about the uh, bitchin' Trans Am? We can talk as m- many minutes as you want that, about that. That was a bitchin' Trans Am. It, w- it was very <laughs> Miami Vice-ish. When, when, you know, like rolling up to the rear with the smoke and stuff like that. And, and of course, they're they're lifting weights and stuff like that. Like, this is very, so, so a Training montage, out the yin-yang. It was beautiful. Which, actually, this whole thing is like a sandwich of training montage with them killing the business in between as the meat of this sandwich. It begins with a montage and ends with a super montage. So like it's just it's just ridiculous. The, the whole video is montage. Yeah, it more or less. But is. the sped up montage, the this is clearly five hours of weightlifting. We're gonna show it to you in twenty seconds, and you're just like, ugh, yeah, but ah. Mm-hmm. And then just the, the big overputting of them putting masks on and all of that. And, and of course they have to do the zoom in on the body without the face and them like rotating the mask in their hands. Yeah. They couldn't afford they, they couldn't afford the clip art to just have like a rotating mask. They actually had to just turn it. Well, this is 87. I don't know if they like, <laughs> I don't think they have as many graphics as you think. I'm not they, expecting like like high-end CG. I'm just saying I think they blew the budget on the smoke machine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh they get they finally get in the ring. And they start going through all the stuff. We'll kind of speed through some of these. I have some notes on a couple things, mm-hmm. things or whatever. You can watch it. Uh, anything that sticks out to me, we'll d- discuss. Um, I will say this, though. I hope these guys got paid good money because, boy, did they take a lot of bumps. Like, oh, yeah. if I took that many bumps, I would like to be – like, I'm not getting a handshake and a hot dog for this. Just knowing wrestling in the 80s, I'm sure before they started filming, these guys took a few bumps. Well, I mean, it's the amount they did. Like, that was a lot of work. I'm just saying, I don't want to beat up my body that much to expose the business. Like, I'm just saying. Like, I don't even want to do that to, like, train for trainees. So the identifications of the guys are a little, like, anticlimactic. Okay. But the thread in which it gets discovered as to who they are, uh-huh. quite hilarious. Okay. Um, Wasn't... Wasn't it Eddie Graham in the nineteen eighty seven version? Reply: Doubtful, since Eddie Graham killed himself in eighty five. <laughs> 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 was it? No. Oh, oh, internet. And then uh, just, keep on. He didn't say no. He just said doubtful. Doubtful, exactly. <laughs> Not a no. Could be, uh, but it would seem to be that it was Eddie Mansfield and Jim Wilson. 
see, those I, were the names I yeah, found. Yeah, but see, they say that that, that was, um, I, I assume that as well, mm-hmm. but their body types were a little different because like one guy was very, very fit. And I don't mm. think Jim Wilson was that fit. Yeah. And I was thinking that as well because the setup is kind of similar to the 2020 piece, mm-hmm. which I think was far more damning than this thing was. Yeah. Um, so then you think it was Eddie Graham? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the three, bud. It's doubtful, but... <laughs> Jury's still out. It's doubtful. I'm going to get some people on it. Yeah, I'll get some people on it. I'll do some more research on it. But I, I don't think it is them, because that's why I initially thought it was. One of them might be Eddie Graham, but the Jim Wilson guy... Oh, really? Maybe. Maybe. Doubtful. Did I say Eddie Graham? Yeah, you did. I meant I didn't say <laughs> Mansfield. Excuse me. This is the best Fate. episode ever, guys. Faith is death in '85, just so we could expose just... the business in '87. Oh man, that's some real deep shit. What if he did? Maybe that. Maybe that's the, that's the whole. Aliens, game. Maybe uncovered bro. Aliens. aliens. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but anyways, uh, sure. The, like I said, all all the stuff. Okay, very basic stuff. Like this, yeah. this actually does far better as a training video than yeah, it does. Expand. Ex- ex- should have to watch this before you decide to wrestle. Yeah, there's a couple wrestlers I know that need to watch yeah. this and and to do these moves properly. <laughs> um, but I will say the announcer, the voiceover guy, kind of fucking snarky. In Real big cocksucker. Yeah, didn't really enjoy him. No, especially when they get to like the big sell. He goes, "You guys been buying this all these years." <laughs> you know, <laughs> really marks. Sh- <laughs> like and ha. Most of you fans have been buying this for years. Like, just making you feel like shit for loving something. You know, like, like this is the type Just of, like something you would love. Would exactly. Make you feel. Yeah. Like, you want this guy to be talking to you, like, when your girlfriend breaks up with you. Yeah. Like, ha, you've been loving her all these years. Like, <laughs> you thought she You didn't was know she was bacon. sleeping around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should have figured that one out, smart she guy. She said she loved you. It's clearly obvious. She doesn't give a fuck about you. Uh, But yeah, real piece of shit. A lot of stuff, like I said, pretty basic. They talk about holds and being light. Uh, Maybe back in the day, I think that's kind of a little bit different. I guess a little bit snugger because, you know, people are watching it now. But uh, like I said, they talk about taking a fall, hitting the ropes, big sell, basic hold, takedowns, rope maneuvers, and... Uh, they talk about the power slam being a breeze of a fucking move. Oh, yeah? Uh, really? Uh, I don't remember it fucking ever feeling good when I take it. I try to avoid it as much as possible. But I think it's also funny to see how dated it is when they get hmm. to finishing holds. I mean, these are finishing holds in 1987. When you get to expose, they just kind of gloss over some of these things, like you know the suplex and a lot of other things. And, of course, they talk about the, the leg drop, and they really really shit on that because Hulk Hogan is like at the top of this game like you guys have seen this one before yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not Man, so wild you... when it's running on there now yeah it was like something really like and I, you definitely have seen this one before the leg drop oh, it just made me feel dirty guy puts his leg on another guy's head that's the end of the match really <laughs> and then he even like makes a comment like sorry to shatter your beliefs but somebody has to do it like no like... sorry to tell you Santa's not real queer <laughs> the tooth fairy's your mom we'll be right back 
Then they got also directed the porn in which the mass lady was in right after. Same building. <laughs> same building. Same. Well, that was right she at paid the same him time. Yeah, paid, paid the guy two hundred for the arena, two hundred for the back room. Yes. Yeah. Then they recorded it, and he just handed her the same money right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there you go. Uh, they talk about. Uh, you know, dirty tactics, and I love how. Were we talking about the porn, or were we talking about the wrestling? Actually, well, the porn was called Dirty Tactics. Ah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Stay around they used the for the same jack, masks but... and everything. Yeah, uh, they didn't even wash them in between. It was no. gross. Wow, yeah. What a lovely tea party. And, uh, but yeah, the way that they show that that they were okay after each move, they really wanted to put that over. They'd high five each other. Yeah, like that was like, yeah, I'm okay. High five. Do you high five him now? Because I feel there might be animosity. Yeah. Can you high five him to make sure that you're okay? Yeah. yeah I'm okay. <laughs> right. Hey, before moving forward, I think this is a good good place for me to ask this question. Uh, which do you guys think came first? The video of them doing stuff or the douchey narrator? <laughs> like the douchey narrator like record all of that and then they were just in the ring and I they're like, like oh, this is the part where we keep doing the suplexes over and over. I like to think it was the douchey narrator's idea because he tried to be a wrestler and they totally shit on him and wouldn't let him in. Back in the day when, like, you had to, you know, someone had to bring you into wrestling. I had to think he couldn't do it, so he was always bitter. So he just found the two easiest guys he could pay off so he could shit all over it in a roundabout way. Like he was trying to do his own version of Mystery Science Theater mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. on pro wrestling. Yeah, now a high five, assholes. Let everybody know you're okay. Ha! Got him. See, because in my mind, I feel like it would be better if it was just the two guys in the <laughs> ring alone with a cameraman. And he was just like, ropes? Sure. Ropes again? Sure. Yeah, Ropes like, again, uh, sure. I, and then and they recorded all that, and then the narrator comes into the booth, and he's like, all right, let's say some snarky shit about going off the turnbuckle. This is horse shit. <laughs> I got it. Keep your fucking script. Swigs and Jack Daniels take the big drag off a cigarette. You thought that was the end, but it's not. Well, and they even, even set up, like, I guess the match that they had, where one threw the other one over the top rope and said, come on, boy. And they're like, all right, oh, they're really mad. They're going to fight, or are they? Like, And then they go through this really long just display of moves, which, once again, hope they're getting paid a lot of money, because that's a, a lot, lot of bumps. More than that 400-old girl just paid to get in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah, and they're working in front of nobody. Like, I'm impressed by that. Like, I don't even want to take a bump in training class to yeah. explain to somebody how to take it properly. Oh, yeah. All that sweet, sweet underground straight to VHS money. <laughs> you got this at the Blockbuster. And and by the time... Blockbuster, I got this at Tim's video rental in the used bin. Yeah, you did. And by the time they got to the like the end pile driver, like, they were, like, super blown up. Like, yeah. they barely get Of course! Up. Like, because it was just move after move, like, no rest spots, like, let's go, let's yeah. go, let's go. And just that music playing in the background. You got 55 minutes, get your shit in. And, uh... But, uh... Let's see what else I got here. And then it just kind of, like, drags on. For like ever into mm-hmm. that part, and they do like some sort of montage after that, and I'm just, and I was just sitting there goes like, why are they filling time? This is a VHS tape. <laughs> like you gotta, you gotta have a certain amount of time in there to get the money. I I guess I mean like I mean but they didn't get a full hour. <laughs> I mean it was like 55 minutes would have been like the approximated running time. Well, they wanted to leave room for commercials after it got picked up for cable. Yeah, but even that would be like 47 yeah. minutes. So an hour and a half special. Yeah, I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah, if you do. Walter Cronkite. You front load it and then rear load it on the on the ads, man. Come on, uh, come on, bud. Was this your first rodeo, cowboy? 
I'm sorry. I'm Figure out the fucking game. Sorry, I'm not aware of selling ad time in 1987. <laughs> like, look, we got a Ford Explorer. We got to push real hard. That's why you invited a Jewish comedian onto the podcast. So you can explain <laughs> these things. Which are the financial end of things. He knows interest rates and uh, sponsorship rates and right. 30 second spots. It, it, it's a point five after the principal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pick up half a share, we'll give you another 4%. Uh, but uh, some, some other discussion about the tape now that we've kind of like ran through it real quick. Uh, I went through the, the credits because I just kind of was. What would you? Yeah, I did some research. Oh. Um, I looked up the director, yeah. uh, John A. Gallagher. He has an IMDb page. Well, yeah, of course. And he is a New York City filmmaker. And he was born in 1955, and he made his directorial debut in 1982. So this would put him in about the time where he'd be like kind of starting off. Mm-hmm. And they said that he did a lot of music videos. Oh, yeah. Hence why we <laughs> have, this, like, this music video back All this smoke and a Trans Am. Yeah. This week I'm doing White Snake. Next week I'll do the wrestling thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they, they, I think I got some shit mixed up in here. Fuck it, just push it through. <laughs> yeah, like, I just got some leftover stuff yeah. of the budget for the White Snake video. I got another three days on the Trans Am, so we may as well use it. <laughs> yeah. Just but play he, Hungry Like the Wolf over it. Let's get going. But he's actually very kind of well-respected in the New York City uh, film uh, district and stuff like that. He's actually given uh, some people their first, you know, debuting roles or early roles in their career. Most notably, um, Mm -hmm. Amanda Peet, Zach Braff, Michael Imperioli. Maybe Zach Braff was one of those people. Yeah. Yeah, Zach Braff was the second guy. Maybe maybe Zach Braff's dad is the security guard. And that's how well, I and know. Zach Braff's mom is the chick is with the, the mask, chick. and then well, I would wow. well maybe the dad is actually uh, another person who uh, Gallagher worked with, which is John Leguizamo. Maybe that was John Leguizamo's John, dad. No, <laughs> that could totally be John Leguizamo's dad. That's what I was saying. Let's not leave that out. If we're gonna yeah. do, do any conspiracy, yeah, did you ever watch him talk about his dad in his one man show? <laughs> yes. that, that totally is what his dad sounds like. Could <laughs> be him. I tell you, me all. <laughs> I let these people in there wrestle for twenty five dollars. Lady wear a mask. Don't know why. Don't know why. <laughs> Do I don't know why dad's Cajun all of a sudden. <laughs> don't know why, Cher. I do wear the mask. I guarantee they will do a wheel things back in the back there. <laughs> Little Johnny, I am your dad, Gambit. And speaking of music, uh, the guy guy who did the music was uh, David Schneider, who runs the Schneider School of Music. I was really hoping you were going to say Trent Reznor. (laughs) (laughs) Or Danny Elfman. Yeah, oh man, Danny Elfman for sure. Award winner. (laughs) Multi-Oscar winner, Danny Elfman. (laughs) Um, Also to another hilarious credit was assistant to the producer, Denise Haku DeSalvo. (laughs) Wait a minute, there's so much going on there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Why was this bitch's name Haku? I don't know, but it was. Um, And it was... uh, it had, I think it was distributed, filmed at TKR Cable Company, which I looked up the FCC, and that was licensed out of Orangetown, New York, and New Jersey area. So I believe this was something, all kind of tracks with what I was saying. And also, too, I looked at the a special thanks to a Faith Cherish, uh, it's C H E R A S I A. And I searched that name and I found it in an obituary. 
Turns out she is the mother of the producer and uh, passed away in Tom's River in New Jersey in 2010. So this was a New York Yankee production. <laughs> yeah. uh, just not, not Explains too Explains the snarky-ass whole commentator. Exactly. Not too far away from where WWE was mm-hmm. running Madison Square Garden. And it's a New York Yankee production that also explains where A-Rod got all of his shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, guys. I'll be going. Well, that's my statement. That was, <laughs> you know, the, you think we'd know that when we saw A-Rod's bag smoking. Like, ah! <laughs> by the way, by the way, I was very disappointed to watch the ninth, this thing from the from 1987 and not see any of the secrets of pro wrestling being copious amounts of anabolic steroids yeah. <laughs> or lots of cocaine. Like, none of those were the secrets. That also happened in the porn that was being shot. <laughs> well, I think maybe that was... You have to watch them together. You mean dirty almost. moves? Yeah, dirty tactics. Dirty, dirty tactics. tactics. Dirty tactics. <laughs> Featuring Zach Braff's mom. <laughs> and Amanda Pete's dad. And yeah, John Lucemo's dad. <laughs> Somewhere uh, in there is Amanda well, Pete. Well, well, maybe they would have got to the sex, drugs, and rock and roll in volume two, which they said was coming soon, and we're still waiting. <laughs> Clearly. We're really looking forward to it in 2018, guys. Yeah. Well, you know, you want, you want to keep your fans wanting more. That's right. Show. And now with this podcast, this podcast is going to make the original so popular. Yeah, we're going to that reinvent that, That's going to cause them to reinvest in making a second oh, one. So I, I want you guys way. to understand the gravity of what we're doing this is, We're changing the future. <laughs> well, we're already changing the past and saying that Eddie Graham was alive for this thing. <laughs> it didn't say it wasn't him. Okay? Doubtful. Hey, Doubtful. I doubted at one point I was coming here today. So here I am. You were doubtful there as well. I doubt I'll show up today. I, I will say that there was one thing, even as a wrestling fan, and I, um, you know, I'd seen stuff like this before, and of course, you know. I've, after the advent of the internet, I'd read up on, on a lot of wrestling and stuff. And being from Orlando, I know a lot of people in the industry. Mm-hmm. I know you guys and everything. Um, but the one thing that they said that this had never clicked for me, this was something I had never realized, was when he was like, uh, uh, if you notice, all moves are performed from the left. <laughs> and I think that has more to do with camera position than mm-hmm. teaching, like, actual wrestling stuff. But they did. But he was uh, they, they raised that point. I started thinking back, and I was like, man. They do do a lot of these moves from the left. Letting you know one of our secrets, Bubba. Mm-hmm. Now we gotta kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't me. It was the video. <laughs> you know too much. I'm sure. Surely you will find the door locked. Put your feet in these buckets of cement, please. <laughs> Ooh, it feels weird between my toes. <laughs> No, um, I mean, is that is that something that persists today? Yeah, the, uh, the moves from the left. Thing? It's, just, it's just a uniform way of doing everything. It's yeah. just a standard way, so everybody can. If I say one thing, you're not going to come the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, lucha libre, like in Mexico, and lucha libre style is particularly from the right. So that way, when you get somebody that mixes those styles, it's very hard to know which direction they're coming. Also, too, the mm-hmm. fabulous Mula trained all of her girls to work from the right side, so that way they couldn't work with anybody else. And her idea was just to produce as many female wrestlers in the world. Mm-hmm. And so that way, if there was a girl that was working the left, she couldn't work anybody. Mm-hmm. And she would just look awful because she'd be coming from the wrong side. Well, that's very interesting. Which is a very shrewd business move. Yeah. <laughs> like, which, that is some next level shit yeah. right there. But seriously now, uh, and, and maybe this is just me. I mean, it makes perfect sense as to why you would do that. And picking the left mm-hmm. instead of this the right. Or the uniform. right instead of the left. It's very uniform, but I mean, there has to that has to in some way play into because I don't know how many people out there really pay much attention to this stuff when watching wrestling. I certainly do. Uh, there's only one fixed camera position. 
Like, like when they broadcast it, they don't. I mean, you know, they've well, got they've got ringside. Cam. They've got ringside, but they've only got the one hard cam, and it's always in the in the same area. And part of that is so that they know how to front load the one side of the ring to always make. I mean, it's not an issue anymore because they sell these places out. But you can always make sure that you have crowd on the one mm. side. You can yeah. always make sure that um, you know any uh, any handout displays, signs, posters, anything like that is always easily caught up and readable from the one camera position. It also gives the guys no let's the guys and gals in the ring know exactly where to mug for and exactly where that camera's going to be so they're not looking around for mm-hmm. it later. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there's something to be said about the fact that if you're if you're working from the one side, it's easier to... If you're working from the left, it's easier to body position both towards the camera than if you're working from the right, then they would have to just have the hard camera on the opposite side of the ring, right? And, or even if you switched up directions you were working throughout the match, there would constantly be times where... You're mostly just getting backs and butts instead of mm. more visible action. I think it's more if you just point that direction. I, I think you'd work either side, either way. Like I could pick right. you up from a suplex one way or the other, but as long as my face is pointing one direction, right, is always a thing. So because you, you want to you want to mug towards the camera. So that yeah, you just, as long as your chest is pointing that direction, mm-hmm. where the guy is in relation to my arms, like whether he's on the right side or left side, right. I don't think it makes too much of a, of a difference. It's more of a a situation of where my chest is pointing in the direction of it, my face is pointing. But that is also something that you guys then are aware of while whilst doing this, correct? Yes, yes. It always mm-hmm. look towards the hard camera. I mean, even in the smaller venues and stuff like that. It's the most important thing. But we never got a, a volume two for this, but we definitely got Yet. a a, We're gonna do it. a revised version. <clears throat> we have Exposed Pro Wrestling's Greatest Secrets, which was aired on NBC. I believe I watched the premiere of this on November 1st, 1998. It was produced by Nash Entertainment, who I've actually received several paychecks from because they are a big uh, producer of uh, true TV shows like Mm -hmm. the Top 20s, Most Shocking, Most Hilarious. So my little Donnie clip has played on their programs multiple times but uh, don't worry, even though they're kind of an employer of mine, mm-hmm. I will still adequately point out their flaws in the making of this production. Because <laughs> they're not listening. They're definitely not listening. Not to me as How well. How many checks have you gotten for Donnie? Uh, quite a few. How many checks has Donnie gotten? I've split every one of them with him. That's just... You're not you're not made for this business. <laughs> Don't you know? Screw screw them first. Worry about it later. I always always give always take care of those boys. They're good to me. Um, but anyways, this. Uh, the show was filmed in the legendary Grand Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles, California, which is where Chavo Guerrero and Roddy Piper had some of their classic matches and classic feuds. Mm-hmm. That's where Roy Shire, if I'm not mistaken, ran his territory out of in Los Angeles. It was a hotbed for that. And uh, if you look up online, we had some very famous people being Yeah, involved. you fucking did. We had uh, the legendary Harley Race mm-hmm. playing the part of the booker in this show. Mike Modest was listed as the All-American Boy. Uh, brute Force was Pitbull number one, Gary Wolf. Now, it says uh, that uh, Colossus was played by Pitbull number two, but I feel like he was more of Skullduggery than he was Colossus. I yeah. think I got that confused. Uh, the narrator, though, probably the most famous person of them all. In, uh, Nick Bakey, if I said that correctly, He's from the, he's the cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No. That's why that voice yeah, probably sounds. That's yeah, why that I'll voice sounds one. sounds so familiar. Yeah, he's a, a well known voice actor. Yeah. Also was a writer for In Living Color. He was guest mm-hmm. guest starred on Seinfeld. He also was a contributor to ESPN and the NFL Network. So 
probably the most famous person when involved in all of this, at least outside of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Of course, Harley Race, of course, being the most famous involved with this. And kind of surprising that Harley would get involved with something like yeah. this. And but the I, other guys, like Slither and everybody else, too. Yeah, but I, but I will say the tone of this one's a little bit different. It is a bit respectful in mm-hmm. a sense, like, hey, we're still this is still dangerous, yeah. but mm-hmm. we know what we're doing. I believe yeah. that was the tone of this, especially the, the narration. Mm-hmm. Salem did a good job explaining that good to job, us. Good job, Kat. Yeah. So, uh, start, but of course we have to have intros, mm-hmm. because by this point in time, pro wrestling is all about intros. What the fuck is a Skullduggery? Uh, that would be a good name. See, Skullduggery, I thought was a slang for butt sex. For whatever reason, I well, think. Well, I mean, it can be. I mean, it can be. Anything can be a slave for butt sex. If, you, <laughs> if you're talking about butt sex, you say it. I think like buggery or something like I'm that. I'm going to drink the whole water bottle in a little bit. <laughs> That's my new term for butt sex. That's a new term for butt sex. Moist out today. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic because the butt is not. Put that down your nose, Jake. I, I will. Uh, also, too, uh, one of my favorite characters on this thing was Brash Knuckles. Uh, <laughs> love that. Just couldn't go with Brass Knuckles. No, no. we got to go with Brash Knuckles. <laughs> is that Brent Albright? Was he on this? <laughs> yeah, so was Adam Pierce and Christopher Daniels. Really? Yes. Who are who's some of the... Give me um, all the people. Cause I, all ben those... Hurt was uh-huh. Adam Pierce. Okay. Private Payne was Del Wilkes. Okay. Uh, Skullduggery, Donovan Morgan, Slither, Christopher Daniels, yeah, Brash Knuckles, Brent Albright, okay, and the masked referee who I believe was on this show before, Roland Alexander. Was Roland Alexander the? Uh... He, there's no way that was Roland, unless Roland got in super good shape. Well, good shape and, and just not as fat are two different things. Yeah, Skull, that, 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 that I was thinking not. he was more Jesse Hernandez, but his voice didn't match that. Yeah. Like, th- th- that would have made more sense to me. But I don't think that, um, like I said, Skullduggery, I'm still pretty sure that it's Pitbull number two. Like, definitely, De- Gary Wolf is definitely in this for sure. And Skullduggery, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Skullduggery was Pitbull number two, most specifically because it covered up his tattoos on his arm. Because uh-huh. he had the thing on his arm, so... Uh, yeah, a lot of speculation on who is who in this, but so if you're Brent Albright and you're listening, and you want to call in. Yeah, let us know who's there. I definitely, I guarantee he's not listening. Yeah, if he is, he's. He, it's he's, like asking if Adam Pierce is listening. It's okay. Yeah, we definitely know. no. But uh, uh, they go over this one and we ju- just jump right in. Like just, they talk about like you know, body slam. You know, of course they move the hand, which I'm not a fan of. No, no, no. On that, but Wait, uh, to 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 kind of pause for a moment. I like how this one starts off as the four must-know moves. Mm-hmm. At least the last one was nice enough to start off by telling you how to bump. Yeah. This one's just like, all right, now slam a motherfucker. Well, this one was on network television. The other one was a VHS tape. So we got to get right <laughs> into the We got to start shopping. We got to work up to the pile driver, guys. We got to go. Oh, well, yeah. you, well, you see, you have, you have to be ready for the ad breaks. Yeah. That's <laughs> Like, this one's built for the ad breaks. The other one was there so it could be worked in. We gotta go to Toyota in a minute. Do you really want to just fall down as your first couple seconds? Gotta hook them. Yeah. We gotta get to the Chevy commercial as fast as possible. Yeah. This Bud Light and Viagra ain't gonna sell itself. (laughs) Let's go, nerds. Went right into the body slam, and then, of course, the punch with the All-American boy, and you can see the hair dust flying off his head. (laughs) It's just... I thought that was funny. It wasn't as much of a smoke budget this go-round. No. 
Um, then, of course, the stomp and the kick. Uh, I must say, if we, we did a 2017 version, we would have to put in the leg slap. The thigh slap, of course. Because there's not enough of that. Or, or my my least favorite thing, when the guy now, the other guy claps as he's getting hit. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, man, I hate that. Oh, I do not like that. I screamed at a person the night for that. Well, it's on all of the covers of our last PWX shows, mm-hmm. uh, there's always a guy clapping for yeah. getting hit. So, fun little oh, fact. Oh, I say, you're not fucking AR Fox. Stop doing that. He's the only person I'm allowed to do it. So he looks dumb. <laughs> but uh, we get to, they also discuss the headbutt, and they talk about how you, you hit your thumb. Well, when I remember seeing this, and I tried the headbutt, I always miss my thumb. Yeah, so I totally headbutted anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I always do <laughs> whole, whole hog. It's whole hands. Exactly. Um, they talk about the cell. They, you know suplexes and like for one they say you know that we put our arm underneath the guy's neck as like a cushion and you're supposed to land on that it's not the case at Ooh. all like you definitely don't want the guy to land on his lower neck yeah. like at the base of his spine underneath his skull yeah. on your arm you want them to take their own bump free and clear mm-hmm. uh, that's not true we get into the booker of course harley I think the voice cover-up thing makes him sound more like Harley Race. Yeah, even like, more like Harley Race than you normally hear Harley Race speak. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say uh, when I when I was listening to it, the uh, the 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 voice mashup, like mm-hmm. like the voice distortion, it didn't really distort any of their voices. Like there was no, there was no jobber in the industry who wasn't like, oh, I know exactly who yeah. those guys are. <laughs> like the Booker parentheses not Harley Race <laughs> <laughs> for realsies for real though. <laughs> no, all you need to say is just take the money. <laughs> like when he said, "It's all about putting two guys together who can draw money." <laughs> like you know, that sounded just like the guy who said, Found "Take them. the money." Like, <laughs> uh, now, I always took offense at this when they talk about like special made signs handed out at the show. Yeah, have that's you, not true. Yeah, ever. have have you ever seen been to a show where they're handing out signs? I've never been to one. I have. You what have. the fuck? What? Okay. So they used to re- remember the um, they were on and off recording um uh, a WWF series uh that would air at like one in the morning on on Saturday nights. Sometimes it was on USA. Sometimes it was on Sci-Fi. Wrestling Challenge or some sort of Superstars. I I think, uh, it, was I think I think it was called Superstars, and it was for. It was for those guys who were either just coming, like, just on the cusp. They didn't have NXT or anything like that back then. And uh, they were tired of um, relying so much on a lot of the regional things. They wanted to get, you know, these guys under the thumb early on. But they weren't ready to throw them onto the main event stages mm-hmm. or any of the big productions or anything. And they didn't really want these guys just, you know, jobbing 30, 40 losses on Raw before they figured out what to do with them. So they had these this little thing. And uh, they used to record those on a back lot at Universal Studios. They would take they would have like um, two or three weeks worth of recordings uh, where they would have like a Saturday, Sunday, and then the next Saturday, Sunday. And they would record all day long and then chop that up into these different uh, one-hour shows or 42-minute, 45-minute runtime shows. And um, since nobody knew who most of the guys were there, and anybody who did show up with a sign, like I made signs, like I remember because they were free and my mom would take me and it was mm-hmm. really exciting for me. And so I'd make signs and stuff. So I had signs like, 
Goldberg and you know all all this sort of stuff and ever like I was so super excited about it, but none of these wrestlers were those guys. <laughs> none of these guys were Goldberg. So what happened was because they wanted they wanted Flash in the background, they actually had like some made up signs and stuff. And oh, so we're talking about out. WCW. Um, was it WCW? Or, yeah, okay, because Universal was, Studios. I think it was WCW. Okay, so it'd be yeah. like yeah, so it'd be like they're. WCW Pro shows and stuff like that. Like that, those are the ones they had like weird matches. It was like Lynn Ditton versus Atlantis. <laughs> yep. you know, so yeah, like yeah, weird um, combination. I remember. Oh, who's the guy? Um, uh, he was a wrestler. He always used to wrestle in uh, nothing but yellow, uh, yellow trunks that just said magic on the back. Uh, Norman Smiley. Yeah. 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 Uh, I remember watching him there, like at the tail end of his career, like, like. Like he was, he was doing minute and a half matches at that point. Yeah, yeah, so like, like like some of those smaller shows. Yeah, because they sold those for syndication. So yeah, I could probably see yeah. those handing out signs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's I, not something Monday Night Raw or Nitro. No, no, no. And here's the thing: we're talking 1998. So yeah, no, it wasn't like Raw or Nitro or SummerSlam or something where people are handing because fans were showing up with their own stuff at that point. But I'm, but but I those, mean, those 1993, 1994, 1995, like, you know, those sorts of times, like, Because yeah, so, those were just really TV tapings small. where they were getting people in off the park just to sit down for an hour during the afternoon. Yeah, no, it was, it was they, they, they brought in crowds for usually, uh, it was like a three to six hour recording. And like I said, they would just siphon through a whole bunch of stuff. And then I remember actually going back and trying to rewatch it and see myself there. And I watched a match, and then the next match came on. I was like, "That's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't the next match. I didn't even see this match that day." And that's all it was was just you know edited for TV, which mm-hmm. that's what you do. But yeah, no, I mean that's that's something that so that, that was done there. At the, yeah, and, it was as, and that's another thing too is like a lot of people don't know like a college game day, they actually have like comedians come in and write some of the signs on that show. Hmm. So like oh yeah that's I, I I met somebody that does that and I was like wow like that's a good gig oh yeah, yeah. working in stand up comedy I've met guys who write for all sorts of reality shows and I'm not I mean I can I'm not gonna say any names and come to think of it now I should probably not say the titles of the shows because they only have a few writers for them so they could probably figure out who I'm talking about but anyway uh you know I've uh, uh I've met I've met a number of guys who write for various reality shows um for A and E um mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And like not the ones you would think of. You know a guy. You know a guy that writes jokes for the first forty-eight. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 one of those weird things. And I've always, when I was a kid, I always wondered like, you know, how do you get that job writing for wrestling? How do you get you know like that script writing job for? Because it's different. It's yeah, mm. like Aaron Sorkin isn't going to show up <laughs> fresh off of an episode of the uh, of the newsroom a couple years ago and then yeah. walk in and be like. Oh, so who do, who do we have fighting each other today? Like, let's let's get an intricate storyline going. But I always wondered, like, is it is it people who come up through wrestling that do that, or are they specifically looking for Some just TV and industry writers? Or? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, they're like, uh, I was talking to Steve Carino about who writes like NXT, and NXT writers are just Triple H and two TV writers. Like, there's not even like workers doing it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But then like WWE, like the the main stuff, like Jimmy Jacobs is a writer and. Adam Pierce. Yeah. Like they, they've actually got actual writers doing it. I think Adam Pierce got uh, promoted. Okay. Well, good for him. Yeah. Great for him. Great for Brute Force, right? You're right. Good <laughs> go, Brute Force. Hoorah. <laughs> Not Brute Force. Uh, whatever. Who cares? Whoever. <laughs> Adam Pierce. Colossus. Us, whatever. Yeah, Adam Pierce doesn't need us to get his name right. <laughs> yeah. Skullduggery. 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 Yeah, good on all Skullduggery, who I think is dead. <laughs> all of them. And having butt sex. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> 
Debatably. Debatably. Doubtly. But yeah, uh, back to this. Uh, we get to the part where they're talking about calling matches, and one of the voiceover parts is like, uh, do you really expect these lugs to remember the whole match? My favorite part of the whole thing, because I was like, fucking yeah, I do. Today I do. Well, I feel like if we were to do the, the 2017 version, the line would be like, how do you expect these lugs to remember the whole thing, the whole match, with all this CTE they have? <laughs> <laughs> How do you, what, do you expect these guys to just talk about it as they go? No. They're in the back for hours, calling their 15-minute match, smooth for move. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love, uh, you know, they talk about calling matches and stuff like that. But Mark, when you were, when you were watching, did you ever catch anybody, like, calling spots? Because I, I always hear stories of people, when I tell people that I, I'm a pro wrestler and all this stuff and how much mm-hmm. I like it. And people are like, the time... When I lost faith in professional wrestling is when I saw Ernie Ladd punch Dick the Bruiser and he missed him by a mile. And I heard, I saw them talking to each other the whole time. Was there ever a moment for you where, like, I saw so-and-so call a match and, like, this kind of pulled the curtain back for well, me? Well, I mean, I was, a, I was a kid, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, was, I was a teenager um, and, uh, and a preteen when I was, like, super into it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I started watching when I was, like six or seven and i just rolled through it until you know when i was like like i said like 18 Mm -hmm. you know so um for me you know you kind of i was always an observant kid so i noticed it but you kind of chalk it up to the mystery like maybe he's calling him a bad name yeah yeah i I did the same thing too it was always like oh he's maybe he's talking some smack well because then (laughs) like uh like jr would always talk about how like always He's really telling him what he thinks about him right now. <laughs> yeah, no, Jr. and, and trying to King. cover it. <laughs> and Jerry Lawler would always pop, and he's like, "When I'm in the ring, I'm letting him know exactly how I feel about his stupid ass." Like, <laughs> like they got a tongue lashing and a fist lashing from the King. Like, <laughs> but and I mean. As as I started to get older into into my later teen years and everything, it, it pulled back a little bit. You start you start to notice all that stuff. Like, uh, hey, he clearly threw a right. He, he clearly threw a right cross, and the guy fainted left. Like, that's <laughs> it's so hard to get discombobulated. But the equilibrium, you know, or uh, dude dude came off the top rope and uh, guy walked back three feet. So that he got hit by him. Like, mm-hmm. You know, like, like when they're jumping, like, you know, a spin, no, a spin off the top turnbuckle onto the mm-hmm. flat top, and the guy realizes that he's too close to the turn, so he takes, like, three steps back so he gets hit, so he gets hit perfect by him. Yeah. Like, you're kind of looking at that like, yeah, I think maybe they had that planned. That, yeah, and uh, and those way. are things now that we, like, as fans, we laugh at, you know? Yeah. Like, we call them botches, and we yeah. put them in highlight reels, and we laugh about them, mm-hmm. and make gift files out of them, and we goof mm-hmm. on them. Yeah. You know, it just all becomes part of the whole art form as well. The happy mistakes. Yeah, the happy mistakes. Speaking of those happy mistakes, I felt like I felt like that's something that Exposed did a lot better than the other video was um, in the parts where they really did talk about the unfake elements mm-hmm. of doing it. You know, like a bunch of the guys on there were like, I've had 18 concussions. You know, like, uh, like, yeah, there's uh, uh, one of the one of the quotes that got me real hard was like, nothing fake about going through a table. <laughs> yeah. It's a real table. That's that's the thing that I kind of like about this one is the fact that it's, you know, like, yeah, we, it's hard. It's a difficult thing. It's, we plan it out, but it is still difficult. It's still hard. We still have to do it and it sucks. You know, and and I think that's the tone of this one that I like the best. But 
we need to talk about the part that I'm most offended about in this whole thing, and that is the part where they start talking about the ring. Yeah. That, fuck him. This, fuck this whole part of the documentary as I work for a company that builds wrestling rings. Yeah. Uh, fuck every bit of this. Fuck this hard beyond fucking belief. Yeah, they really made it just look like it was like a couple uh, a couple kids in their backyard just throwing plywood down. It's, it's like, like falling on a memory foam mattress. Yeah, like fuck that's you. the yeah, fuck you so hard. First of all, let's start with the corner pillows, which is actually kind of what WWE calls them. Uh-huh. But they they have that type of foam, but they're really like one of the few people mm-hmm. in the industry that use that type of foam in the yes. corner. They refer to them, they refer to them as pillows cuz they they order them from well, I mean, the company I work for. Uh, Fuckers. Yeah. So like, they, so obviously they use a, they're very well padded, but uh, not everybody in the indie has that. Nope. Like I remember the old IWMid South ring. They just taped up electrical tape over top of the like the, the steel part of the corners, times. just a million times. So that way the pat the padding was just electrical tape wadded up over time. Yep. So it wasn't even a pad in the corners. So like. And like some of them is like you know padding that's like about you know less than an inch thick mm-hmm. and that deteriorates over time yeah. and just oh, starts yeah. to disappear. George's like, ring. Yeah. yeah. How, how how long do they use those pads before they for fucking them ever? Out? Yeah. Yeah. So I, there, there's like our wrestling trainer right now has had pads on his ring, the same pads on his ring for over a decade now. The only way they will change out a pad is if George the Animal Steel is wrestling a match there. Yeah. And that is because he is going to eat the pad. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> not we don't have that not. anymore. <laughs> so. Aw, I just made myself sad. He's yeah. dead. He's dead. Uh, Doubtfully, he's going to eat those pads. <laughs> Doubtful. <laughs> Are you sure you're still not eating pads? Doubtful. Doubtful. Eat pads in heaven now. Also, they talk about several layers of padding on the ring. Not... Where do they get all this fucking padding? Yeah. Two layers? You, you point to me what ring crew in their right fucking mind is going to take the time to add two layers of padding. No. Fuck you. Yeah. And more to the point, once again, that's not fresh padding every no. couple of weeks. If that That's one layer of padding that's been there for 20 years as people have been taking dives or, on it and or everything. Or even like in the changing of seasons, like after about six months, like mm-hmm. right now, like the padding on our rental ring for high spots has shrunk up and doesn't even fit the ring anymore. Yeah. So like there's just wood exposed yeah. everywhere right now. Still bumping so, aprons, assholes. Which that's where everybody, where all the kids are bumping these days. Well, I'll, be, I'll be in the middle being safe. <laughs> and speaking of the middle, mm-hmm. my fucking just, uh, I fucking hate that this was on broadcast television. This is what people think and people try to explain to me, a man who works for a company that produces wrestling rings, and people ask where the fucking spring is in the fucking ring. Yeah. It's, I will attest that I've wrestled in rings that have springs. That's a thing. Don't get me wrong. But I'll tell you why it's no longer a thing. Because it will fuck you up Cause, more. Because it hurts worse. Yes. It's fucking I've wrestled worse. in one ring that had... Now, here's how... So, they show they show a, a spring that's more like a hydraulic. Yeah. The place I fucking wrestled that had a spring, they had... A spring that looks like would have been in like this original Super Mario game that would like kind of boing compress, yep. but it was rested on top of a goddamn hubcap, like a, the the interior metal part of a wheel. It was just on top of that under the thing. This is not a fucking professionally made item. This guy's like, well, I've got this, I got this. Fuck it, stack it up. Yeah, the, the, like the only reason that it's it's different. There's not a spring uh, to to expose secrets 
is the fact that there's no support in the middle. So, as I always say, you want to bump in the middle because it's, it's the weakest point. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you, you have to hit it at such a velocity that you can make uh, a layer of padding, a layer of wood, and then two layers of steel mm-hmm. move. Yeah. That's why you have to bump as hard as you do to make the landing as soft as you possibly can. Yeah. So, you have to hit it with such force so you make all of that move and bounce because there's no support in the middle. That's mm-hmm. why there's a give to it. If there wasn't a give, we'd all be dead. Mm-hmm. But, be the, but but the thing is, if, so. but the thing is, if you don't attack the mat, you'll actually hurt yourself more. Mm-hmm. So like that's why sometimes taking a superplex bump is actually easier than like pussing out on a shoulder tackle yeah. bump for some people because you have to generate that amount of force. Yeah. And you know, as you move closer to the the sides of the ring, that flex in the ring becomes less and less and less. So if you're taking a bump directly in the corner, it's going to be the worst bump you're ever going to take. So that's kind of the dynamic to that. So it's far more mm-hmm. engineering into it other than like, oh, it's just a spring and it's like a pill, right? Like, I fucking hate that. Yeah, well, when the the one that they showed in, in Exposed, uh, the plywood under there mm-hmm. and everything, uh, it looked like they just had like, uncut sheets that weren't sized right because every time that they were showing underneath where the hydraulic was going down and up the woods the wood was shifting back and forth i was like one of those corners is going to cut out and you're just going to fall through the middle of the ring which, happens, which has happened i've ha- seen that happen it's, it's happened to me i've stepped through a ring before like i've just stepped one way and the plywood just broke and my foot went right through yeah and then i have to deal with a hole in the ring it's just one of those things that happens uh, another thing that doesn't happen other than maybe wwe i think wwe mics the rings they, they may be the only ones that do it because they can put it through the PA system. But that's only mm-hmm. the only reason they do that is because they're in large arenas that hold 20,000 people. So right. to give that sound. But at an indie show, we're not doing that. Yeah, was, that was, that's was, another thing that I hate. Everybody assumes that every place has mics and they're popping it through. No, no, no. We don't have a sound guy smart enough to fucking yeah. do that. <laughs> like, you know, because I noticed that I was at uh, I was at um, NXT last uh, last August in Brooklyn um, when they were uh, when they were doing the whole uh, uh, SummerSlam weekend in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, I showed uh, I showed up there. I was doing some comedy through the region, and uh, a comic buddy of mine in New York City. The day I got there was like, "Hey, listen, we can go out and do some comedy tonight." Or, "Hey, I, I got tickets to the show tonight. You wanna do you wanna go and watch the the wrestling?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? I haven't seen you know, I haven't seen wrestling in a while and everything." Um, and uh, <laughs> we get there, get to the Barclays Center, go up. We are literally in the second to last row in the furthest corner with an obstructed view oh good yeah uh he's like yeah i only i got these online for only 30 bucks a ticket i'm like oh i wonder why no shit uh and while sitting up there as far back as we were with all the screaming fans and everything i still heard every pop in the ring yeah and after like the 10th or 11th one i was kind of like how the hell am i hearing Mm -hmm. How am I hearing the ring right now? Those big arenas, you have to, you have to yeah. do that. Where like an indie show, which everybody assumes that we do it there, that's not the case. That's that's how loud it is. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, those big arenas, you kind of have to do that to get that sense right, and to feel that. And I think that's part of the experience as well. Yeah. So. But uh, they start talking about the ref, um, talking about last minute instructions. Um, and, you know, that's that's nice in theory, but I. 85% of the refs of the world are too dumb to fucking give directions to. Yeah. So, 
You know, that only applies for the 15% in the world. And I think WWE employs 14 of that percent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Name good wrestlers on one, or one, a good wrestler on one hand. Pretty much. So, yeah, a lot of the things I say in here is um, uh, only applies to good referees. And also, too, like the, the referee, like in tag matches looking dumb. That's kind of a cliche now that actually WWE has gotten away from. I've heard that they've stopped doing that. Like, that's where you'll see that happening a lot. Um, so I'm kind of glad that that's kind of a thing because it does kind of shit on the referees. Mm. Also, too, in the 2007 edition, we'd have to talk about earpieces because now independent promoters yeah. are putting earpieces in pro wrestlers now. They're not doing the two-minute mark. We're not doing the Gene Anderson walking down to the ring and biting the pencil and then going to the back. Um but yeah, but it is, I will say that, that after being so pissed off about them talking about the ring, that it's nice that they acknowledge the hard work of the referees. Yeah. Like when you get a good referee, it is very noticeable to mm-hmm. the wrestlers in the sense that they almost become invisible and they, they help you in what you need to do. And if there is a problem, they can fix it very fast. Um, and if you have a problem in a match, uh, most of the time, I would say 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the referee. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. 90% of the time, especially as far as the rhythm of the match. Yeah, now, um, let me ask, in, in, in the modern day with, uh, with you know, the advents of technology and everything, is is the uh, orchestration in the ring um, still, as they showed there, uh, uh, hand signals from the uh, ring announcer back and forth nope, to the that's ref? That's where they got the like now. But I'm saying, is that now someone in the back? Like, is there a producer backstage who's yeah, calling all of that? Or is it still happening ringside and with the nope. individuals it's, in it's, the it's ring? It's all happening from a producer in the back. Okay. There's somebody on headset, somebody keeping time, somebody focused on this, somebody that's on the button for the music that's going to be played on the screen or, or whatever mm-hmm. that needs to happen. The person that's going to throw it to commercial or mm-hmm. whatever, or, hey, we got to get the intermission, go tell them to take it home now. I had a chance to, uh, uh, one of those wrestling things at Universal, they had a bunch of different, like, uh, people out. Or it wasn't at Universal. It was, I think, one of, the, like, the first times uh, Raw came to Orlando or something. And there was, like, some meet and greets for uh, for some different people and everything. And the person I was most excited to meet out of all, all the people there was Earl Hebner. Oh, Earl. Oh, Earl. Screw Brett. Just saying. <laughs> oh, this was before that. I no, like listen. I was I'm a huge Bret the Hitman Hart fan. He was my favorite go. wrestler throughout Me my too. life and everything. The screw job, like it's not that. But not to be confused with the porno they made about it. <laughs> Dur- <laughs> Dirtier <laughs> tactics. Yeah. <laughs> Dirty tactics too. Dirtier, Dirtier tactics. tactics. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. Uh, and 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 it that is you know what you brought that up and that is, that is a shame because you know you talk about refs and especially especially back then like you know, refs refs were a major part of it. They were like, a major, uh, extremely extremely major important part. part. And like you said, there are so few like who are actually great. And I think when all is said and done, Earl Hebner is going to go down as like one of the best in ring refs from the modern era. Mm-hmm. But he was still just in the middle of the worst thing that happened in the history of wrestling. Still real to me, damn it. Mm-hmm. Well, moving right along. And speaking of heat. Fuck you, Earl Hebner! <laughs> speaking Sorry. of. Fuck having, you, Earl. How about speak, fuck you, Vince McMahon? <laughs> speaking of having heat, we get to the part where they talk about heat. And this is probably the most uh, sensationalized part of this broadcast in this particular program is the idea of shills and plants. And they talk about. 
the old autograph bit. You know, the old autograph yeah, bit. Yeah, the same. one. You the, know, old the, the old autograph. The old autograph. You and I know that. I did a couple autograph bits on the way here. Yeah, because we're just pro wrestlers, and that's the, oh, old, we do. the old autograph. I've never even wrestled. I did the autograph bit when I walked into this room for the podcast. Yeah, I, I, I had a pen and paper out. Yeah, tore it. But then also, Stunt Granny. <laughs> stunt Granny is a. Have you ever worked with a Stunt Granny, Zane? Because I nope. haven't. Nope. Uh, I have a no. manager who represents five or six different stunt grannies throughout the South. <laughs> <laughs> the one time when well, I wrestled... I'm glad we got a Jew here to, to explain that for us. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, one time when I wrestled Kevin Steen, my real grandmother hit him during my match because he, he yelled at her as he was kicking me, and my grandmother hit him. So, my grandmother could be a stunt granny. Okay, so that's the closest you come. Kind of close I got. Yeah. She's a shoe granny, it turns did, out. Did, did he turn around and, like, face palm her? Oh, like, man, I wish he'd hit my grandmother. <laughs> I thought he was going to hit your dad, or at least give him a heart attack. And he was again. Freshly, he was and again. He was, yeah, and he was freshly off a heart attack. Fresh out of, fresh out of heart surgery. <laughs> that was the plan. I thought my dad would. My dad, if my dad wasn't so uh, reserved and knowing how, knowing the, uh, the legitimacy of my hobby... Oh, my dad might have whooped his ass a little bit. My dad's got some good rednecks. So. so so what you're saying is if your dad wasn't watching NBC no, on November 1st in 1998, no, he would have not been exposed to professional wrestling nope, exactly, secrets? Exactly. Had, had I not gotten into it 10 years ago and let him in on the secrets, he probably still would have. Maybe he should have watched Secrets of Pro Wrestling and exposed. And Maybe he did in 87, and that's kind of where I subliminally got it. Maybe so. And that's what made me want to watch it on TV, and then here I am. Maybe your dad built the building that oh. they ran. Oh, man. Maybe what if my dad, dad is skullduggery? <laughs> what, if, what if my dad could have been the guy that was a security guard? What if your dad was the girlfriend with the mask? I gotta call my dad. It's doubtful, but we'll go ahead. What if dad is Eddie Graham? <laughs> Not as doubtful as Eddie Graham. Yeah. Somehow. I don't know. My dad's alive. Assumably. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen him in a couple hours. All right. Where are we at? We're at stunt the, Granny. Go back to Stunt Granny. Stunt Granny taking her knee pads off. I've never used a Stunt Granny. Never. I uh, want to. Never. I mean, I've seen students get hit before in crowds. And yeah, sure, there are people in crowds that are sometimes wrestlers. That happens. But Stunt Grannies, never seen it happen. No. Uh, maybe we need to bring that into... We do. Know, bring I'm that be a stunt grandpa when yeah. I get old. Oh, yeah. Stunt grampy. Yeah. I'm, Actually, I'm, I'd like you to come out just as you are and stunt yeah. granny one of his matches. Yeah. Just just <laughs> come out dressed as a granny. <laughs> just come out dressed as a granny. Hey, there's Jake Frenzade who's also a wrestler. Stunt granny. <laughs> Probably the closest thing we've ever got to stunt granny was a past episode when Ric Flair dressed up like a woman. Yeah, so the woman hopped in. On, on, on Censor 95. Yes. <laughs> like, that's probably as close as we've ever come to it. Oh, man. We're going to have to use stunt granny at, our, uh, at WrestleMania weekend when we're doing all those videos. I have to. Um... We get we're now into the topics of props. Uh, talk about chairs, tables. Yep, all real. Salt is more powder, but I think people have always seen it as powder. Nobody's ever saw it as salt in the eyes. Um, <laughs> You'd be surprised. They they talk about the flying body block and like there's a secret to it. You know where a guy just jumps off the top rope yeah. and you catch him? Yeah, it's called fucking gravity. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's your secret. Bam, he's an apple. Bam, somebody catches him as opposed yeah. to just lets him fall on the floor. Well, like, that's not me. That's what I'm, <laughs> I'm not. They, 
or your or Jake who like was on the outskirts of it, and when that guy makes contact, Jake just kind of tumbles aside. Listen, you I, know what you I, should I, do? Just strong chest it next yeah. time. <laughs> like next time, next time a guy comes in, you just, just strong now. chest <laughs> brace and just let him just let him hit you and fall down. <laughs> I've caught my share of guys. Yeah. I'm done. I've I met my quota for. Oh, don't worry. I, I, when you're not around, I take that mantle as guy that's on the outskirts that falls down for no reason. <laughs> and if you're me, if you're me and Caleb Conley, never dive because we fucking miss every time now for some reason <laughs> not even on purpose we just oh fuck oops ah i'm falling down just get a hand out yeah <laughs> slow it down bubba calm down got that perfectly good ring don't jump out of it yeah perfectly good ring and don't juice in it apparently Jesus. they they talk about you know blood and you know it's important that they talk about it being real blood but even still as you know eddie mansfield on the 2020 piece cut his head open and even in this piece right here, they talk about people cutting their heads. Still have people today saying it's ketchup packets. Even today. People How do you protect a ketchup packet that long? Exactly. You put it in a food bag. And uh, the ref holds it in his pocket <laughs> and does the handoff. Same place he holds that fucking blade. Yeah. I like the description of how to do it. Just push it down to the bone and jerk a little bit. Mm-hmm. Ow. <laughs> this is why I don't get color, guys. Well, I, I got all my tips from getting color from this thing. So. Yeah, to the bone. We'll See, and here's here's my thing. You're going to get color tonight, your comedy? They bring up done. juicing. Mm-hmm. Still don't talk about the copious so, amount of anabolic steroids. No. So, still not the real juice that I'm waiting for where you put a needle in your butt. Yeah, even in 98, they're not even talking about the steroids. Yeah. Definitely not talking about the CTE. You know, there's all kinds of things we have. There's, there's still real secrets that we really should talk about. Yeah. yeah. How do you stay awake on those yeah. drives when you're when yeah. you got to make make towns, Bubba? Like, yeah, exactly. How, how do, you, do you do the drives if everyone's a fucking sleep? How do you put asses in seats? You know. Yeah. Like, Who, how do you fuck all the rats? How do you draw money, yeah. brother? Like, Red equals green. <laughs> uh, See, no, well, I'll, you yeah, know, just on. talking about talking about the juicing thing real quick though. Tell about um, the time you were on steroids. Yeah, so uh, balls real tiny, muscles real big. Huge. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but here's something I never understood because this was a thing I, wor- I wondered about as a kid. I knew they were cutting themselves. I knew, but I always tried to figure out anytime that a guy like uh, anytime a guy cut himself in the ring, I was like, where is he hiding the blade that it's not like? Because like you're flipping around and everything. It's an exposed razor blade. Mm-hmm. If you keep it in your belt buckle or something, it's going to cut. Like, all you're wearing is your Stone Cold Steve Austin. You've got mm-hmm. nothing but a pair of tiny black tights. <laughs> i got a big knee pad. And once again, you can't trust the ref to give it to you properly. That's for sure. Um, but Ric Flair keeps it on his finger, and he can just, like, flip it. Just, really? And he, Like, he'll wrestle a whole match, and he'll have it on his hand. Like, wrestle with it. And well, he used to tape his digits. He used to tape yeah, yeah. each digit But he could keep it in there in a certain way that he could just pop it out. Like, And he used to tape it for Monday Night Raw when they were saying, no blood, no blood, no blood. And right before he would go out in gorilla position, he'd go over to Vince McMahon and he goes, hey, want me to get juice tonight? <laughs> just to be a shit disturber. Like, you're not going out there with that. And he'd, yeah, I'm going to wrestle with this on my finger. <laughs> like, just, just being Rick Hey, Flair. Vince, smell this. Yeah, like... And then cuts his nose off. Ric <laughs> 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 like Flair, the real assassin. Uh, I just assume that Arn Anderson just stares at you until you start bleeding. Yeah, that's that, what I... that is how that happens. <laughs> that's real. Like, like Raiders from the Lost Ark. Ah! <laughs> Don't directly look at Arn Anderson. Yeah, no. <laughs> He's such a treasure. He's a treasure yeah. like the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> yes. oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't know why you guys are laughing so much. It's true. We thought we are talking about... You know, true statements. Um, did like that they put over the pile driver, how dangerous it is. It is very dangerous. And they definitely 
put over the danger of it, especially on the very end of this. They talk about the pain and injuries. And one guy saying he got 16 concussions in one year. Are you sure this guy isn't Tracy Smothers? <laughs> like, are we sure this Bub. is? Bub. <laughs> like, Let me take a day off. Yeah. Like, the money's not that good in 98 really for an indie guy. No. Like, wait a few years. you got to sell t-shirts in 2017. <laughs> exactly. Just keep working, bud. Yeah, You'll get there. Just hang on. Just hang you, on. As soon as pro wrestling tees hits, you're safe. You're yeah. golden. Exactly. I mean, serious. All, all, all these concussions and everything, it's like, what, you're going to make your finishing move where you just jump off a turnbuckle and slam your head into a guy, get 20, 30 concussions a year? I mean, what's that going to do in your life, Chris Benoit? Like, <laughs> end it. Yeah. And that's been another edition. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so end of this thing, I felt like this is a pretty decent portrayal. Yeah. I mean, is- like, I, like looking at it, like, I know some people weren't happy about this. Uh, I know WWE, WWE released a statement about it saying that these guys were a bunch of bitter like wrestlers that weren't happy of their opportunity. Some people might have been mad about this. I think more people would have been mad with the, the 1987 thing, but I don't know how much exposure this VHS tape yeah. had circulation-wise. Seems yeah. like to me the 2020 piece was a bigger issue than, than this ever was. And I, I, ju- I, and, I ju- and I just saw the 2020 piece recently, and like John Sassel was far more snarkier than this <laughs> announcer was. But like... By the time that Dr. D slapped him in that 2020 piece, like I was like, yeah, fuck you, John Stossel. Yeah, and felt good about like the state of professional wrestling yeah. afterwards. We're going to be okay. Yeah. I like, can't wait my pro wrestling t-shirt comes around. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Of all the portrayals, I think this this one is probably the best and, and fairest because it definitely does explain it. But definitely a lot of the guys that filmed it said, expressed their concern saying that they were going in filming one thing and they produce a different product. But I feel like this is kind of fair. Yeah. I no. think when you live in the like I when you live in the bubble of professional wrestling, you're like, don't call fake, don't do that. You know, you get you get your mm-hmm. you get your cackles all up in a in a in a tizzy when people start insulting what you do and calling it fake. But I feel like everybody it's so out of the bag right now and people mm-hmm. see it as an art form and I'd rather discuss it as an art form, much yeah. in the same sense when their mistakes happen, we can laugh about them yeah. and discuss them in certain ways. In the same sense that like if you go to a Rolling Stone show and all of a sudden, like, Keith forgets, like, goes into brown sugar while, like, you know, Nick goes into, you know, can't get no satisfaction. They're like, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Again, like, just those happy little mistakes of, like, oh, they are human, too. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like somebody watching a, uh, a, a behind the scenes about uh, Fast and Furious 8 and then being like, you mean Vin Diesel didn't really drive that car over the jump? It's like. This is here for you to watch and 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 see the thing as it is. This and so, and sometimes the discussion how they they film that scene is is far more interesting than the scene itself. Sometimes, like yeah. how they make that happen, you know, especially back in the day of practical, you know, um, effects and stuff like that. That's why I think the documentary on Expendables is far more interesting than the movie Expendables. Yeah, because they go through how they filmed it and the sequence everything and everything that. You know, Sylvester Stallone did to get crews in these different locations to all film it on time and on budget. And here he's doing his stunts and directing at the same time. And and he's getting banged up in fight scenes and then still going through and trying to read pages of dialogue. And he can't even read. So exactly. (laughs) With all the CTE. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I, I, you know, saying like, like, what do you expect it to be any different? I think this is a good portrayal. I think it came out of okay, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like, maybe we'll get in that so bubble of like trying to defend it. It's, like, I, I have a joke about it. It's like, it's it's very hard to, you know, fight for the validity of professional wrestling when it has the same validity as Civil War reenactments. Yeah. You know, like, 
We wear funny outfits and we already know who's going to win. So <laughs> it's this is a good representation. Yeah. I yeah. Just enjoy it. Be happy. Yeah. That we have shit. Be happy that we have it. Yeah. Be happy that we have just it. Just a quick theater. Shut the fuck up. Just curious. Have you guys ever been to a Civil War reenactment? Uh, Maybe in school. Especially the ones that involve uh, an actual charge. Because no. that's hilarious. <laughs> that's when like like it's actually like and this is the part where the where the south charged the northern lines and they just start running forward and they're like ah they just kind of like trot forward a little bit and then very carefully clink their antique guns together <laughs> and then one of them just kind of raises the gun above his head and he's like ah and the other person falls down ee! it's 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 worth it's okay worth so nice that the pro wrestling is better than civil yes. war right awesome <laughs> i mean you know suck it north <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything more we have to say about these two programs? Uh, anything that, uh, I, I, like I said, I, I'm most upset about the discussion of the ring. Um, I did like the fact they put over the ref, but uh, anything else we need to scuff over these two? Uh, <laughs> just that, um, uh, unexpo- I mean, uh, do you think any of the fake monikers from Exposed could actually make it in wrestling today? Of course. Of course. Uh, All-American clever. boy? <laughs> All-American boy, that's clever. And that boy gets touched. <laughs> Him and, uh, what was Brute Force? Uh-huh. Oh, they're a little fuck team. Yeah. That's, that's a bear in his cub. Skullduggery and Brute Force? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Brash Knuckles, though. I want that one. I would love to see a Brash Knuckles on a show. Like, yeah. Like, I, that sounds like something they would do at WrestlePro mm-hmm. with one of their students. Yeah. For sure, a really a really clever Chikara character that's like a street fighter but not good. Mm-hmm. They should do a whole you know promotion with these people. Now that I think about it, I'm gonna make uh, Jakob create that character for the PWF <laughs> school. Your name is Brash Knuckles. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> Rocket ship to the top. That's dude. right, baby. <laughs> you ever heard of a push? Because you're going straight to the top. But. We're, call, we're calling you Billy Clubs. Yep. Oh, brash knuckles and Billy Clubs. The well, Marauders. Well, if we got nothing more to say about either of those, uh, you know, surprise, folks. Professional wrestling is pretty fake. terrible. Fake. Fuck you. Fuck you. Um, but uh, Zane, when are you going to do some of this fake wrestling? This oh. is going to come out the Thursday before Mania. Uh, as of now, uh, I will be just at the Friday. Super Show, okay. WrestleCon Super Show, uh, in talks with a couple other companies, so keep an eye out on the Facebook. Uh, I'm doing Punk Rock Wrestling after that, at about midnight, in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll run out in WrestleMania. I don't know, just, uh, you know who cares, whatever. See. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll need a bunch of John Cena lookalikes. Like that one yeah, maybe, movie. maybe. Ooh, I kind of do have that, that, some would say John Cena-esque. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, Mark, what do you got going on uh, towards most specifically in April that you want to let people know about? I know you're touring right now. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am full time on the road, and uh, you guys are more than welcome to find out all the places I'm going to be. I'm in a different city pretty much every day, so um, check me out, uh, markviolacomedy.com. That's V-I-O-L-A. Uh, you can also uh, follow me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and everything at markviolacomedy. Uh, April, this is where you'll be catching me. April one. Uh, I'm going to be in, uh, uh, where am I going to be? I'm going to be in Mobile, Alabama, uh, headlining a show at Industry Bar, um, April, uh, uh, April 6th, you can catch me in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, 
uh, April 7th, you, I'll be in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. April 8th, I'll be at Local Uproar at Sydney Saloon in New Orleans. Uh, 12th, you can uh, catch me in uh, uh, Lake Charles, New Orleans. The 13th, I'm going to be doing the God Damn It Show at Avant Garden. Very clever name for a place mm -hmm. in Houston. And uh, the 14th, you can catch me headlining the Blind Tiger in San Antonio. So that's what my early April looks like. And, of course, all of that information can be found on the gigs page at my website, markviolacomedy.com. Fantastic. Hopefully the four people that listen to podcasts in Mississippi will show up to those shows. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, because no one likes wrestling in Mississippi. <laughs> We're real over at Mobile. Well, that's the thing is if people find out about podcasts, you know, hopefully they find out about ours. Well, this is my chance to go into Mississippi and tell them, hey, y'all like wrestling? Y'all like hearing things in your ear holes? <laughs> no, that shit's fake. <laughs> Never mind. I'm completely out of material. Yeah, I, yeah iTunes are fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, iTunes ain't real. I done seen a documentary about how the iTunes ain't even hitting each other <laughs> on my iphone what uh but anyways if we have any corrections if you know that if it was eddie graham or not please yeah. uh tweet me at man scout manning um also to make sure you log on to the website how did this get book.com especially for how did this get booked t-shirts also to make sure you subscribe on itunes google play youtube soundcloud uh stitcher very very soon just type in how did this get booked anywhere where you get podcasts available on your phone computer or wherever you do it at but anyways, this has been another edition of How Did This Get Booked? Woo!